And we are back with the Brother and Sister Rewatch podcast, although there is no sister this week. Everybody, Mary had a baby. A beautiful, happy, bouncing little girl. Yeah. Uh, so this week I'm being joined by my best friend in the whole wide world since I was a little boy, Mike. What's up? Oh, it's great to be on, man. <laughs> Thanks for having me. We've talked about doing a podcast for years, yes. and now we're on doing one. Yeah. And it's only fitting that it's the one thing we've talked about for 18 fucking years, <laughs> St. Anger. We go back to it every once in a while talking about it. Oh, there's a lot to say, man. <laughs> yes. There's a lot to say 18 years later, and there's still a lot to say. So this is the first time we're going to do a re-listen. On the podcast, usually we rewatch usually movies. Usually rewatch, and yep. now we're going to do a re-listen. So here we are, and we're going to talk about Metallica's 2003 disaster, Saint Anger. Uh, disaster is really the only word that. Well, there's a couple different words. But we, <laughs> we'll start with disaster. Train smash. Train smash. Debacle. Boondoggle. Um, yeah. Garbage. Bullshit. Curious. <laughs> Fascinating. Fascinating. Okay. So it was released June 5th, 2003. We're, we're nearly approaching the 20 years exactly. Almost. We're getting close. Yeah. It, actually, the 18th anniversary, June 3rd. Yeah, it's coming up. Do you do you remember that? Do you recall I, that time? I remember that time because I was dating a certain girl, <laughs> and she could drive and I couldn't because I was too young, and she drove me to Best Buy the day before the album came out, and I tried to get the clerk there to, hey man, I know you got it in the back. Come on. Come on, let me see it. Let me listen to we it. We were all very, you know, we were all very excited. Um, there hadn't been a Metallica album in quite some time. Yeah. And um, even, you know, the Sane Anger music video where they're at the... Uh, oh, at the prison. At the prison. Yeah. It didn't It didn't totally throw me off. I was still interested. Um, I'm like, okay, this little sounds a little different. Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, I want to... I want Metallica's my favorite band. I believe in them. We did. This will be okay. And the, the thing is, like, <laughs> the funny thing about that video is that it's three minutes shorter than the actual song. Actual song. Yeah, they did a heavy edit there. And where we were in our fandom at this time, we were the big Metallica marks. We were all about them. I mean, one of the first albums I know each of us bought was the Black Album. Yes. Then we went back and discovered the old thrash stuff from the yeah, 80s. Yeah, so where, when did your fandom actually start? What was your first... Uh, Probably like 95. 95. I was about eight years old and my cousin came out and he had uh, Load. I uh-huh. believe it was. Load came out uh-huh. that year. Yeah. And uh, he listened to Load. He showed me the Black Album. And then like later mm-hmm. on I discovered you know, Garaging came out a few years after that and went back and listened to the old stuff. Became a fan very young. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we're on the same page here. Uh, for me... Uh, same sort of deal. I was kind of just listening to classic rock at the time. Mm-hmm. Metallica was my first really um, uh, experience listening to actual heavy metal. Oh, yeah. uh, my dad worked at Specialty Records at the time, uh, oh, Metallica, yeah. uh, on Elektra, which was part of Warner Brothers. So he'd get free CDs, and I remember him coming home the one day, and, you know, where's your cram kidding? Nothing. <laughs> and I heard this for the first time, and it was unlike anything I've ever heard before. Yeah. And the funny part about it is, you know, load and reload, obviously, they're not looked as favorable no, no. to Metallica fans, but to me, but to me hearing Metallica for the first time, I'm like, wow, this this band yeah. is totally badass. This is this is awesome. That's and our then, Metallica. Yeah, that is our Metallica. So, yeah. and then, like you said, I went back from there and mm-hmm. you know experienced the you know ride the lightning, oh, and yeah. the master of puppets, and, and, and justice for all. Of yeah, man. Uh, so we kind of we start we both started with load and reload yeah. and garage ink, and then kind of. Went backward and love it all. Oh, I loved, loved it. it. Loved it all to that point. I never had a problem with Metallica, which and like 
around this time, I'd say about 99, 2000, right before they went into the uh, the studio to record this album, is the whole Napster thing. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. kind of put a, like, uh, kind of tarnished them a bit in, like, the eyes of the fans. Like, right, I don't want to say the fans. I think Metallica fans were ambivalent to it, but, like, mainstream. Yeah, it, it definitely rubbed, um, and, and let's face it, I mean, we, we were on the LimeWire, right? Oh, God, Nap- yeah. Napster. We, <laughs> we, we, we were using them all, okay? Yeah. So it was like, oh, God, you guys kind of, like, you know, being assholes. Everybody's music's getting out there oh, yeah. for everybody to download. It's like, easier what, for other people what, to Like, what, what makes you guys so different than everything? So, yeah, I, they were, this was already starting to become the time um, where Metallica was going from... The beloved, most beloved oh, heavy yeah. metal act out there, oh, yeah. to starting to alienate their fan base, oh, yeah. and it started with Load and Reload. Although I'll always look at those albums favorably because those yeah. are the albums that got me. They cut got, their hair. Got, got <laughs> us in the Metallica. We didn't. Yeah. We weren't all about oh they're nah. selling out musically. We didn't know. Nah. we didn't know because at the time you know they were just new album. Uh, they were just new Metallica albums. This is our first time ever hearing Metallica. So. They were awesome yeah. albums to us at the time. Devil's Dance. So, yeah, they had some great tracks on them. So, um, But, yeah, this was already beginning the process of Metallica starting to alienate their oh, fan yeah. base, both musically and with their actions with, uh, you know, the Napster it, it's, whole debacle. It started a thing in my life where I've hated Lars Ulrich <laughs> for 20 straight years. <laughs> like, he's kind of got, like, a Miz thing going on where I want to punch him because his face looks so fucking stupid in, in wrestling terms Lars is a big time heel oh he's a heel he's a dude. big oh, time heel yeah. he's the worst <laughs> and he's just there he's like no we want to make the music sound so good like that's what I want to do and I want my art like that's another thing they did the documentary with this album yeah some kind of monster yes. documentary we all watched it mm-hmm. we all just went the fuck right and my whole problem with that was you know, I understand what they were trying to do. They wanted to let the fans in. Yeah. We were vulnerable at this time as a band, as yeah. people. We weren't getting along. We were going through stuff. And, you know, that's the one thing. And as we get farther into St. Anger and the uh, chaos that it is, <laughs> um, that's the one thing I'll always give Metallica credit for is that, you know, this is a band that's never been afraid to take chances. They, yeah, they, this um, was a big risk. And uh, they bo- did that with both the album and the documentary. And, but the problem is, like, I really looked up to this band. I yeah. I to, oh, yeah. Uh, as we were young, getting into music. <laughs> and first it was the Napster thing. And then St. Anger. And then the documentary. Mm. And I'm watching the documentary. And, I, and like, I can't, I can't watch that again. You don't want to like I, I can't. No, that. I can't go back and watch that again. It was hard enough to go back and listen to this album again. <laughs> yeah. I can't go back and watch that DVD again because I just remember I'm like, this is, this is pathetic, man. This is forty oh, year old men. <laughs> yep. Okay, yep. rock stars, the biggest metal band in the world, yep. and that, and then them at each other's tr- throats. Crying and whining. The crying. It's like this is this is really pathetic. And more than anything, that made me lose respect for the band. Oh yeah, and they've never gotten it back. I was no. going to say this this album and the documentary that came out with it. It is the equivalent to watching your dad lose a fight when you're five years old. Right. You're like my dad just took it. He just went down, and you look at him, and you're like. He's my dad, and I love him. Yeah, I don't know if I can respect. Him. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it was like so sad, and that's how it is with Metallica. I mean, like I said, this is the first, and I'm not to this day. I'm not really a big metal head. I've never yeah. been. I know you're a little. You like enjoy metal a little bit more yeah, than yeah. I do. But to me, 
there's always been Metallica. Then there's some new metal bands, maybe you know, like the Corn and the Godsmack. And oh, the, there's some Godsmack and, and, influence and, 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 and on Lincoln this album. Park, um, and things like that. But as far as metal, like I could do a little bit of Slipknot, but I've never fallen in love with another metal band. Like it's no, always not just like it's this. always just been Metallica for me. And like I said, the first time I ever heard them, I'm like, this is the most badass band I've ever heard. <laughs> and then you know comes this. Well, especially as you go DVD on and listen to the older stuff, documentary, the heavy shit from Master of Puppets, yeah, and Kill 'Em All, and that you're like, this band is fucking money, right? Because yeah. to, to me, like they they just they just did metal like better than everybody else, right? It wasn't brutal, right? Yeah. It was it was you know you can say you know they sold out with Load and Reload or even before that with the Black album with Enter Sandman and everything, but quite quite honestly, even those. Even Master of Puppets, and uh, you know, it, it, it's they were it, it was metal, but it was accessible. Like it was, it wasn't you, you, Slayer, you hear, right? Yeah, you yeah. can listen it on the radio, and you know, and uh, I've just always enjoyed that about them. And then you know, this album <laughs> and this—they've never recovered. They've released two album, two full length albums. They've survived. You know, yeah. they've survived. They've overcome it in a sense. Um, you know, and that's. The thing at the end of the day, they are still Metallica. They're mm. still in my eyes and many people's eyes, no matter what. They're the greatest heavy metal band that there's ever been. Yeah. Um, so you, you're not going to take that away from them, but this certainly, <laughs> this yeah. error, this time yeah. of of like five, six, seven years <laughs> uh, was very a very questionable. Time. It was bad, and like <laughs> the thing is, like it, it's like my dad used to say because he was a bitter man. Forgive but never forget. Mm -hmm. I forgive them for this, but I'm never gonna fucking forget it. No, we can't. No, my ears were raped. All right, <laughs> and I just can't put the genie back in the bottle. And they were, they were, uh, they were, they were insufferable again. pricks. <laughs> and like you know, speaking of, we should talk about the fact that Bob Rock, the producer, yes. plays bass on this album. Yes, he does. Because Jason Newstead left the band because he said, "Fuck these guys," pretty much. I think Jason knew what was coming. Yeah, I think he saw it coming. I think uh, you know because he was part of the whole Napster thing, and I think at that point he was like, you know what, I don't, I'm not, I don't really like the direction yeah. things are going in yeah. for this band. So I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna peace out. And I, I think he picked the right time to do it. He got out before the ship sank. Yeah, he, so he was brilliant. Yeah, so uh, Jason kind of he he does not get. You know, no. the... Uh, he doesn't get lumped in with the bullshit. He doesn't get lumped into this. He he got out pre-St. Anger, pre-some kind of monster He's still respected, I think, by fans. Uh, absolutely. I love yeah. Jason. And the, and another thing is that... Yeah, I, I was... The thing that got me most excited for St. Anger was not any of the albums that preceded it, mm -hmm. but the one single that came out in 2000... I think it was 2000, I Disappear for the Mission Impossible yes. soundtrack. Yes. That song's a banger. It's yes. a great track. And then it, they did No Leaf Clover off the S&M. Yeah. Like they just did these singles every once in a while, and you they got your, you whetted your appetite. Yeah. You I got was, excited. You're like, Talca's back I, on track. I love both those songs. I'll always remember the I Disappear uh, music video they did for the great Mission shit. Impossible 3. Great <laughs> shit. Um, I know Lars has spoken about that was the funnest music video that they've ever done, that they're ever that part was, of they, it. MTV was did fun. a special about yeah, it. Yeah. With was, Wayne Isham, the director. And, and honestly, you know, that's... To this day is actually one of my favorite Metallica songs. I oh, 100%. When I'm on listening to XM radio and it comes on the, you know, turbo, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I still get jacked up listening to that one. And, and I always love No Leaf Clover the, the, yeah. the with the symphony. Yep. Um, S&M the first time around. Um, and even the second time around. 
really enjoyable we, okay, stuff. We talked about that last summer when the yeah. second one came out. Right. We really enjoyed S&M too. We did. I think for the most part, yeah. because it took a song off this album and made it good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that oh, yeah. uh, when we're looking over the album here. But oh, yeah. yes, uh, it did take a song from St. Anger, which when I saw it on the track listing, I said I immediately said, oh God, no, why? <laughs> I couldn't believe leave they... It, leave it alone. Just let's not bring this back up again. But yes, the S&M 2 version... Um, is it's almost unrecognizable? Yeah, from the version that's on. I couldn't Anger. believe that they publicly went out and played a song out in public off man. this album. The, the, and the balls on this band, I'm telling you. Because like we saw Talica <laughs> live about ten years ago. Yes, and this album was not mentioned. It, there was not one chord played off of it. It was ignored wholly by the band. They even played shit off Death Magnetic. They played All Nightmare Long. They apologized afterwards because... Sorry. Was, Sorry, that didn't <laughs> supposed to sound like that. It's restart. Hetfield was like so disappointed with how that one turned out. But um, St. Anger wasn't mentioned. It wasn't touched. So, like, it obviously is a black mark, not just for the fans, but the band themselves, like, almost disown it. Yeah. Yeah, um, and I and I've read you know things post Saint Anger, and I could remember when Saint Anger came out. Um, I remember them on the band on Fuse TV. You know, oh, yeah. Fuse, the Stevens Untitled Rock Show. That's couple, right. Couple couple of gems, uh, a <laughs> couple of gem shows. They actually, for a time there in the early two thousands, was kind of bringing back that feel of early yeah. MTV. Oh yeah. We actually care about the music, and we're gonna put it out there. So. Um, Fuse was kind of cool, but I remember uh, Metallica being on a Fuse show promoting Saint Anger, and I remember them all. They're so proud. Yeah, they were so proud. This is <laughs> this is the most vulnerable we've ever been. Oh, it is, and it is. They're not wrong about <laughs> that. Happens, but they said, but oh, we're just really proud of this, and we're this is mo- this is the most proud we've ever being where we are. It was a dark time, you know, it was a dark time, and Brother. for us to come together and put this out, you know, we're really proud of it. And they were standing by it now, yeah. now. 18 years later, whenever asked about St. Anger, they don't regret it. No. They don't regret it, but Lars, is he's quoted been saying that it was an isolated experiment. <laughs> so I guess that means we, we, don't, we don't have to expect a St. Anger follow-up at any point. It's the biggest isolated. failure in mainstream music <laughs> history. Well, in mainstream music, this is the Geely of music. It, Remember Geely? Yeah. This is the musical version. Right before this happened, okay... I'm going to take you guys back 20 years. I'm going to put you back in the spot. Late 90s, early 2000s. What was the locus of music? Where was everything centralized? Whether it was rap, new metal, pop, R&B. All that music was centrally located at one place, and it was Times Square, New York, Mm -hmm. 3 o'clock Eastern Standard Time in the afternoon at TRL. At Carson Daly. Carson Daly. Total Request Live. There was all... Every kind of music, Kid Rock, Rob Zombie, NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, Aaliyah, Mary J. Blige. They all kind of met All up of it there. there. Eminem, fucking Dr. Dre. It was all right there at TRL. They had, mm-hmm. There was no, hey, we only do this kind of music. It was everything. Tom Green with the Bum Bum song. Yes. You know? like he, it, I believe he chopped top charts on he TRL. He did. One it was point. huge. <laughs> so, like, that kind of shit happened. And, like, music was centrally located at one place. You could find whatever you wanted. There was variety. It was great. And Talica was on there. Metallica was mentioned with all those hot acts at the time. Yeah. These are bands that were like platinum-selling artists, and Metallica was in that fold with mm-hmm. them. Corn, Limp Bizkit, what have you. And they took all that goodwill, because for a metal band to be that mainstream is a pretty huge accomplishment. Impor- yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, and again, you're, you're, we're talking about, you know, we're way past the, you know, Metallica being in their 
in their prime at oh, this yeah. point. You know, yeah. it's, we're way past Master of Puppets. We're way past Injustice for All. We're way past Ride the Lightning. Yeah. We're even past Black Album. Yeah, but, but yeah. yet Metallica's still relevant as ever. Yeah, because they had all these pop acts. Because they hadn't fucked up. Because the sound did change with it the did. load and reload. Yeah, where it was more radio accessible. Yeah, like I always say, those first four songs on reload, fucking great. Uh, Fantastic. I, I enjoy them. And the thing is, like, they're hard rock. They keep that hard rock integrity, but you could put it on at, like, a baseball game as, like, a bullpen pitcher's running sure out to the mound. And, like, there's an old guy doing the score book. He's just like, yeah. oh, this is cool. This is yeah, cool. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, could, I could still remember I, I was <laughs> I was bringing a NASCAR at the time, <laughs> but I remember, uh, you know, Fuel being used as the official NASCAR on NBC really? theme song. I had no idea. Yeah. That. Oh, yeah. They, they that makes that a lot of sense. For every race, every Sunday, there's Fuel, and it fit right in. Great marketability. So, you know, while Metallica was no longer in their prime musically at this mm-hmm. point, late or late 90s, early 2000s, uh, they were still relevant. People yeah. still wanted to hear from them. Um, you know, they were there, as big as they ever were. There was an appetite for this album. Yeah. Because, like, I remember... Because, like, this is when everything was coming into form. I mean, the internet was starting to become a thing. Mm-hmm. We were getting hooked up to the internet. We were reading fan sites and all that shit. And, like, this is the first album I can remember having a groundswell. Where, like, people were champing at the bit to it's, hear this. It's been, you know, I think there was a lot of curiosity. It, it, mm-hmm. it, it was uh, It was five years and... You know, James was in rehab. <laughs> James was in rehab. They lost the. They lost. Newstead just left the band. Yeah. They had the whole Napster debacle, and it's like I, I think there was a lot of curiosity as to what does Metallica in the year two thousand three sound like? Yeah. Because the last time we heard it was the late nineties, and now you know we're we're post nine eleven and all that bad yeah. shit happening, and the world's a little bit more sensitive now. Yeah. Uh, You're it, not getting so it, what it, on this it, album. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're a little bit, we're a little bit different. And I think I really do think, looking back at it, that was part of the problem. I mean, obviously there was a lot of issues within Metallica at the time mm. with with Jason leaving and the Napster issue and them kind of being at each other's throats and James just coming out of rehab. Um, so there was a lot of issues within the band anyway. But I think part of the reason why this album came out the way it did was I think this was a band that was cracking under oh, yeah. the pressure, so to speak. Oh, and yeah. I and I think they I think they were struggling and I think they were worried. I think they were concerned about what I just said. Like where do we stand? Yeah. In, where do we fit in, in this in world? The, in the year two thousand. Like what is what does Metallica in two thousand three sound like? And I don't think they had the confidence. I, I oh, really don't. I, I don't I think they were confused as to, as to where they fit in. Mm-hmm. And I and I think the final project, Saint Anger, being the way it was, I, I think it was. I think this is. This, it's an identity crisis. It is an identity crisis, and yeah. when you listen to the album, that's all you can think of. That's what I thought of when I re-listened to it this week. Is <laughs> this is a band that's they're they're having a mental breakdown. Oh my god, it's so and, sad. And they're putting it out there in record for the form, world to see, for, for the world to hear. To hear and and like when you read the lyrics. Yeah. When when Headfield says vulnerable, yeah, dude, you got some issues. And he's working them out, but it's like really this is not a cathartic exercise. It's more like this is uncomfortable. Yeah. Reading some of these lyrics and the way he sings them with like conviction that to the point where I think Bob Rock said they barely edited this entire album. Yeah. It's raw. It's raw. This is what they wanted. Mhm. Oh god, it's 
fucking raw is the word raw uncooked <laughs> uncensored yeah it's fucking bad man oh man they only spend 15 minutes total on the drums which is oh yeah the drums it's yeah oh, okay as a drummer okay guys full disclosure me and mike we've been friends for like 30 years we've played music together for about two decades he's a drummer i'm a singer and you know we've, absolutely we've been in a bunch of different bands we jam with his brother we still jam periodically and write we songs do. we do lyrics and rhythm and all that shit i wonder if you're going with this where i think you're going with this because i this I, sounds like us dude I, I, that's what this i'm saying sounds like 2003 that, that, us. that's what i'm saying and that's i think was the most shocking thing because i think we all went through this right when saint anger was first released um i think first couple listens we were okay with it yeah and i, we, and I we, think it yeah. was delusion it was oh, yeah. <laughs> you know it was just us craving for metallica after so long six oh, yeah. seven years without a studio album it was oh, yeah. us craving for it and i think we were you know we wanted it to be good we wanted to really really like it and i remember when we, we gave it the first time through, through a couple times I, I think it was maybe a couple weeks later where we kind of got together and said this, Yo, is this isn't good. <laughs> yeah, but originally I, we really liked it. The first thought, one of my first thoughts, and maybe this is why I liked it at first, is where well, you're right. We're jamming at the time in the garage. Mm -hmm. It's hot in the summer. Oh yeah. You know, we're just jamming out, making garage rock, and that's what Rob, Bob Rock said yeah. when he put this album out. He's like, "Saying anger to me is four guys rocking out in a garage and kicking ass, making rock songs." He's not wrong. No, he's, we, he's we're not, still he's, doing he's it. Not, he's not wrong with the, yeah. with that assessment. That doesn't mean they should have put it out the way that they no. did. No. But, but we're talking about Metallica, and that's the difference. We're talking about Metallica here. Yeah. If me, you, and Chris put this out, and quite frankly, if me, me you, and Chris could go record something <laughs> right now, yeah, and I think we can put it up next to St. Anger, and this isn't me being having a huge ego no, or anything no, no, like no, that. No, no. I know I'm not a real musician. But if, <laughs> if we put this out, if we just jamming along, yeah. if we're just jamming out and we put this, and then you add an actual guitarist to it, say, you know, you you play guitar and we're, you're singing, and then we add uh, John, or, or we went back to high school and we find Mike. I don't think he <laughs> plays guitar anymore, but if we were to find him, or, you know, if we were lucky enough to get Duds or yeah. Scott and have them play along... I think improvisation, just getting together, jamming, we could put something together that is... Not even comparable, it's better than saying Probably that. better than saying I think that. we have 20 years of knowing each other and how we work <laughs> and what we can do that we could produce something. That's right, people. We're saying right here on the podcast <laughs> that we could put out an album tomorrow <laughs> that is better than saying anger. They don't know we have a catalog of like 150 songs. No, they don't know that. <laughs> but, see, but again, it's not ego. This is just to say how bad this yeah. album is. From one of the greatest yeah. metal bands of all time that I can feel confident oh, yeah. with me, you, and Chris, and whoever yeah. going out and recording something tomorrow and saying, I'm more proud of this. I think this sounds better than Metallica's saying anger. I believe that. And I like when I listen to some of these songs, all I could think of, because... I'm going to go over these times. That's what it sounds like. Gonna... It, sound, it sounds like people, guys getting together, rocking out for the very first time, oh, yeah. and recording it on a cassette tape. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, listen to these times. These are the, these are the song <laughs> times, guys. 550, 721, 825, 525, 830, 546, 710, 527, 708, 514, and 848. 
These are the songs when we're jamming and we find a good riff and we keep playing it over yeah. and over because we want to remember it. And then somebody finally hits record and we have eight minutes yeah. that we'll never forget so that we can eventually turn it down <laughs> to a three-minute song. That's how that's how our recording process was. And that's what like this that's album what Metallica is. did with St. Anger. This album is our demo jam. <laughs> All right? That's really, really all it is, because there's no break in any of these songs. No. The breakdowns are fucking pedantic. Just, <laughs> this, uh, it's 75 minutes long with 11 songs. And let me tell you, those, 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 those uh, few songs that are five minutes, that's a godsend. Oh, they are. Those are the best songs on the album, <laughs> not because they're good songs, but just because the pain doesn't the, last. The, the pain <laughs> doesn't last for the whole eight, nine, ten minutes. No, it's they it, let us. They show some mercy. It's a mercy kill after five minutes. You know what the fucked up thing is? This is still better than season nine of The Office. I'd rather listen to Saint Anger than. Watch. I did want to congratulate you for you and Mary both for getting through a hundred episodes, <laughs> most of them being The Office. Yeah. I remember, you know, back in the day. I'm glad that you ended up doing it with Mary because she is an avid Office fan. Whereas <laughs> I enjoy The Office, but when you when you did ask me to do the Office show, uh, I'm like, yeah, I love The Office, uh, man, but. Man. After season five, I don't think I could do it anymore. After season four, it was <laughs> so, a struggle. So the fact that you guys got through the whole season, a hun- over a hundred things to talk about. Yeah, oh, dude! On this the show, the stuff we talked about. I just, I, I actually just, en- I just enjoyed sitting with Mary and hearing her say words like "cunt" and stuff. <laughs> That's the kind of <laughs> I raw try not to use that word. <laughs> that that sane anger brings out of us. It as does. Well. Now, uh, <laughs> as a drummer. Yeah. Tell me about the drums. What is your feeling on this drums? Because it, there are times in this album where it sounds like someone's dribbling a basketball off of a metal pole. Yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> it, this, that's the first thing from the opening track, Frantic On. It, uh, Lars oh. likes to call it a pumbling. This oh, album yeah. is so pumbling. And, and and here's the funny thing about the drums. I was doing some research on St. Oh, Anger. Yeah, yeah. Yes, and I, I was reading some things about what Lars had to say. He was recently asked, I believe, in 2018 in an interview... Um, you know, what about the drums on St. Anger? What about the drums? And, and his answer is exactly what you would expect it to be. Oh God. This is how the drums, according to Lars, came about for St. Anger. He said he, they were listening, he was listening to James Riff one day. All right. In the studio. He's just listening to James Riff. I could just see him, too. His, his yeah. fucking hand on and his James, chin, looking up. And James had an awesome fucking riff, man. <laughs> James had an awesome riff. And he and Lars couldn't wait. He couldn't wait to come up with something. He needed to jam with James right there in that moment. <laughs> so he ran to his drum set and he started playing around, banging along to James's riff. And he forgot to put his snare on. Oh, yeah, he geez. forgot to turn the snare on. That's what. It so is. he's just jamming along to James's riff, and he forgets. And then they stop jamming after they after they record something, and, and he says, "Oh, I forgot to put my snare on." But, but you know what? I like how that sounded. I thought that fit well with that riff. What was this riff? I, I am not sure. He, I, he didn't say which riff it was. If it's a good riff, it didn't end up on this album. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say what the riff was. And, okay, uh, maybe simple, honest mistake, perhaps. Yeah. I'm not calling Lars a liar here. That may just have been what happened. He was excited, and he wanted to play along, and he forgot to click the snare on. I've done that before. Yeah, it happens. But just because that sounded good in that moment... You're going to leave the snare off for the entire, entire album? album. The entire, like, that's what I was thinking this whole time. I was like, 
All right, maybe for one song, if you want to be weird and try something new. Okay, I understand it's an artistic choice. But the whole fucking the whole album. album. And just boom, 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 boom. And that's, you know, that's the number one thing. Even even Metallica's peers, I was reading something about what Jonathan Davis, the front man of Korn, said about, about, yeah, about St. Anger. And he said, quote, it's the worst fucking shit I've ever heard in my life. Wow, that's harsh. Those, dr- those drums are the most annoying thing I've ever heard. And I have a lot of respect for those guys, oh. but St. Anger is the worst shit I've ever heard. It's literally a train wreck. <laughs> like, I, I'm trying to be, like, I want to be diplomatic. Like, these are my idols. Like, right. when, I, when this album came out and I was 15, this album, like, these guys were my musical idols. I wanted yeah, to make music same. like them. I wanted to be like them. And like I said, seeing the hearing this for the first time, and I and think I think that's why it resonated at first because we're like, wow, Metallica is playing the shit that we play in the garage. <laughs> we can do we, this. We they relate to us. Yes. And I think it was just only after where you kind of realize, like, okay, yeah, but they're Metallica. They, <laughs> they shouldn't sound like us. No, they should. <laughs> like, they're playing down. On? They're playing down to their competition. <laughs> and, Oh man! Not that we're competition to Metallica or ever. No, if we been. ever release that EP, we are. <laughs> I'm telling you, these guys like this album is just such a clusterfuck. That's all I can say about it. I, I want to be nice, but like you said, when this first came out, and we were in denial. It's a pummeling, as Lars. It is. It's I, a there, there's one song on here, some kind of monster, the third track. Yeah. I feel like I'm getting beat up by the music at points. Yeah. Where I'm having to put the volume down at like the lowest setting. And this is and, and the funny thing about this song, Some Kind of Monster, is that for the documentary that we also hate, uh, that they put out, they re- they did a re recording of this song Saying Anger. Or, it was mixed, or, or, yeah. of, of of I'm sorry, some, some kind of monster. They did yeah. a re- where they actually mixed it and produced it and uh it sounds okay. It's better than this. Yeah. It's and there's so many times where I'm listening to this going, if they did A, B, or C, or they, all A, B, and C. Yeah. Like I think there's, a, there's at least a few songs that could have been salvaged. Oh, a few. There's a few. Not not every. So that I guess we'll jump in now. Yeah. We're gonna we do can. song by song all thoughts. Right, all right. We'll you do know, that. Questions, comments, concerns. <laughs> and, a lot uh, of concerns. We're gonna start off with the uh, first track. Which I believe was a WWE pay-per-view uh, theme song of recently. It, it recently frantic. I want to say oh, in the yes, last. Yes, you are. You are correct. Yeah. It was indeed. It was. It was for uh, if Chris was here, <laughs> NXT. He's oh, was that what it was? NXT guy. Oh, yeah, they, okay. they used it for uh, uh, that carrying cross guy versus Keith Lee a couple months. Keith back. Lee's the big bitch. The big guy. Yeah. yeah or what did Lesnar call him? Like, who the fuck <laughs> is this guy? <laughs> Fucking big, big boy. boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, but, yeah, they used that for the NXT main event a couple months ago, so it was kind of brought back to life in the year 2020. Fucking insane. Um, this is the song they chose. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> you know, honestly... Uh, Five minutes and 50 seconds, the song. Yeah, not, not the worst song. The thing... Okay. The, the, <laughs> it's not the, thing, the worst. It's not the worst. Like, musically, I... It's okay for 2003. Bubbling though, right from the beginning. Dun, oh yeah, dun, 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 here boom, we go. Boom. And it's it's rattling my ears. It's yeah. shaking my ribs. And when you put your like you're listening to it in 2021, 2021 years, it's different. In 2003, when you had Disturbed, Godsmack, Corn, like all that stuff going on, mm-hmm. this is a song that you could see one of them maybe playing with. Yeah, musically. Yeah, because it's you know. Dun, 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 dun. You know, it's got the fast yeah, guitar. It's true to that new metal form, which I think Metallica was trying out. With this, goes back to where does Metallica fit in? And they were trying 2000s. to cool, they were trying to cool dad it. 
I think they were, yeah. Yeah, because they obviously didn't have any faith anymore in their thrash roots, and they felt, I think they felt jilted by the whole, like, the 1990s, people think we're Stone Temple Pilots or something Mm -hmm. with their music, so they wanted to get that harder edge back. But it's 2003... It's like at the end of Joe Dirt when he puts on, like, the fucking dreadlock <laughs> mullet, you know? Like, he's trying to fit in concurrently, you know? And right. They're trying to new dad the metal scene with, like, the heavy detuning and everything like that. They were trying some things. Yeah. And this is the first instance where you hear it for the first time, mm-hmm. and you're like, no, oh, it's okay. Okay. Right. I get it. But then the lyrics kick in. Mm-hmm. Fran, tick, 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 tock. Yeah. These are eighth grade phrases. Mm-hmm. Then my lifestyle determines my death style. Yes. Dude, fucking kill me. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but like, Hetfield's trying to turn phrases and it's just... Well, I, I was kind of talking to my girlfriend recently about this album. I introduced her to a little bit of Saint Anger because I told her... She didn't, never show. listened to it before? Uh, never heard it before. <laughs> not really, you know, not really too aware of Metallica. Of course, she knows Enter Sandman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but not... And she was just mortified by this little clip <laughs> that I was playing. I love that. She's like, what is going on? And I'm like, this is Metallica in 2003. This is what they sound like. And I'm and I proud like, of it. This is uh, Frantic, the lead-off track, and I think it kind of sets the tone for the album uh, musically and also, um, you know, with the lyrics in this opening song, it's Metallica frantically still searching <laughs> keep yes. on searching trying to find themselves it is it's they're a, lost it's a call for and they're trying to find themselves and uh with the frantic tick tick tock and there's more of this i can't wait to get to a particular song in a oh, little bit. Excellent. but there's more of this and uh i, I told uh, my girlfriend the other day is uh you know this is uh this is this is metallica like doing dr seuss that's what oh, that's what saint is. anger is this is like metallica's uh, green eggs and ham <laughs> <laughs> on acid or something. Uh, and he doesn't just do it in the chorus. They're no, like, there's, there's a part in the verse where he's like, frantic, tick, tick, tock. And it's like, why are you Why are you treating it like a cock? Like, this is something in high school. Like, this is literally us. Yeah. At 15 in the garage. Yeah, I mean, you know, Evil Clowns, Clowns from Space. That's right. That song could be on St. Anger. Guys, we did Evil Clowns, and it was awesome. I don't give a shit. I'll still defend it. But yeah, this song, this is, and this is the, okay, so this is the lead track. This is, yeah. you want to get like a high octane song. Yeah. You want to hook people in. And this one, I guess when you consider it to the rest of the album, there's, there's maybe only one other one that I would have put as the opener. Yeah, it's honestly. okay as an opener. It's a, yeah, it, I think it does its job. It's not great, but it does its job. I don't, I don't hate it like I hate most of the rest of the album. <laughs> well, and that so the second song is the title track, yeah. Saint Anger, seven twenty one. Yeah, I don't long. hate this song. No, this no. is a song. Okay, I think that if you cut this down, you edit it, you. I think this is the okay. So the word raw, being right? Used. This is the raw, raw materials of what could be a good song. It's. Uh, yeah, I think I, you do two verses. You throw in a, uh, an outro, Kirk Hammett guitar solo. You have something here. Yeah, the, the only thing that really, you know, turns me off about this song is uh, what, about a lot of the album, is it just goes on too long. It's repetitive it, as fuck. It, it just, you know, there's this, the ending where it's like, down, 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 then, yeah. it, then it stops and then it picks back up, and it's like, oh, you could have just ended it there yeah. at five minutes and called it a day, would have been happy with it. I think it's got probably, you know, one of the better choruses on the whole album. Yeah. I think the chorus is fine. It works well, yeah. Um, it, this is, St. Anger, the title track... 
don't hate it. When you go in, and you, like I was reading the lyrics about it, and it's literally only like six lines that are repeated eighty times. Yeah, very and repetitive. like it doesn't need to be that way. You don't need to have that for right, three the, minutes. The start and stop. Dun 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 yeah. dun 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 like, dun. You could have done so much more, more dynamic bubble. stuff with this, yeah. and you would have had a good like four minute song. This is a song. Very few songs on this album have what I would call potential. This one does. Uh, Saint Anger has potential. Yeah. Even the name is like intriguing. You hear Saint Anger, you're like, oh, like, right. and is this, this going to be religious? This is a song. It, you know, uh, they they did it in a in a state prison. Uh, they did the music video yeah. at a state prison in San Francisco. And I was reading a little bit about that. that. So I watched that, and immediately I went to punch Lars because <laughs> like the prison guards are in there. They're like, "There's no liability if there's a riot or something." And Lars, he's fucking five feet two. He has a skull cap on with sunglasses, mean mugging like, yeah, yeah, like he's gonna fucking fight prisoners. Uh, like, fuck you, Lars. A funny story <laughs> about the music video that I was reading um, is yeah, they're. There was there, there was there was war there was concern when they were shooting that music video because I guess the females in the prison weren't allowed to watch the video or whatever oh, what? so they had to usher them out <laughs> and then Kurt Hammett is getting like things yelled to him by people by by some of the inmates really? like some of the inmates were yelling out to Kurt Hammett while they were shooting like yo Kirk I used to mow your lawn man <laughs> <laughs> some crazy stuff. <laughs> Uh, from the inmates at the prison, but the the the, the uh, video is interesting. Um, you know, it got me again. You know, I was kind of under delusion at the time because it's just been we, so long without we had that Metallica. Teenage I, angst. Yeah, we wanted it, and we just wanted new Metallica. And the video it did its job. It kind of got us excited. A Plus, lot it was cut prison. down. Interesting. Yeah, it wasn't. They the cut like two and a half minutes off of it. So you know, the video did its job, and the and the and the you know the title track single. Saying anger, I think it did its it did its job as far as getting people to interested in the album. It's we we know this is Metallica. This is a different Metallica. We're getting something different. Yeah. Don't quite know what to make of it, but don't totally hate it. Yeah, it's it's a, like you you get the sense that there's an evolution. Yeah. The funny thing is that the evolution stopped after this album, <laughs> yeah. and they kind of regressed back. But like when when you're watching it like in 2003, you're kind of excited. You're yeah. like, okay, they got like this hard edge. They're gonna, cause when you do hear it, it's very the music is violent. I mm. think that's the way to like kind of describe it. This is a very, it's very aggressive. Ballad. Yes, music, and you're kind of you know when you're a 15 year old male who's in a band, you love that. Yeah, it sounds great. And again, that that I think was the appeal of the album at the time. Now we look as grown adults, we look <laughs> at this album differently. Um, but at the time, I think it was kind of like, like I mentioned earlier, like we're playing in a band, we're playing in a garage, mm-hmm. and now this band that we looked up to all these years, they're coming down to our level. Oh yeah, and we're like, we could be Metallica, <laughs> and so it was kind of fun to hear a band that we love so much. Yeah, uh, kind of reflect us. <laughs> kind of reflect. Yeah, it's kind of like how the moon they're reflects reflecting the sun. The angst and the yeah. you know the anger at the time, and yeah. we're like. We're we're angry. We're not. We weren't. Well, the, we weren't ever angry. No, no. We, we definitely anything, weren't Columbine. No, no, nothing like that. But you know, we we like the attitude and the aggressive yeah. music. And so, uh, you know, Saint Anger. This track in itself, at the time, I think resonated with me a little bit. This is. I, I'd like to think that Adam Gase used to game plan to this song. <laughs> Are we really going to bring that? No, no. We'll, we'll talk about that another time because I got some stuff to say. <laughs> So that brings us to the, speaking of Adam Gase, some kind of monster. The, yeah, okay. The third track, 8 minutes and 25 fucking seconds. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. this this is excessive because there's a two-minute intro that is the most uninteresting bit of music on this album, perhaps. Okay. It is 
It drones. But here's the thing that I do like about this song. Hmm. For the first time, we don't hear it in tracks one and two, but the first time, hello, Kirk Hammett. Yeah. We have a guitar riff. Yeah. No solos in this album. That was an artistic guy. That, so apparently, <laughs> Kurt wrote a bunch of solos for this album, and they said, nope, none of them fit, so we're not going to use them all. Kurt apparently okay with that. Well, there's but... a bit, there's a bit in the documentary where he goes, "I don't know why we're not doing guitar solos. It's, this is going to sound so 2003." Like he even says it that he's like, "This is not going to be timeless, guys." And he's <laughs> and not it most wrong. Certainly is not. No, and... but uh, this is the first time we actually hear actual guitar and and bass. What would become Robert Terulio, but yeah. Bob Rock at the time, the producer. But, yeah, welcome guitar and bass to the album. Yeah. Thank you. Hello. It, it is a wake-up call. And the, the, <laughs> Do you know what pisses me off the most about this? And I'm going to blame Lars, even though he probably had nothing to do with it. Yeah. The last four seconds, when you get to, like, 8.20... Did you notice this for the first time? First time ever. Did you? Me too. Okay. It's a little guitar thing. little circus music at the end. Out of nowhere, I'm like... Why? Why? I've listened to, you know, when St. Anger came out, I listened to the album relentlessly, because mm-hmm. uh, I thought I liked it at first, and then I was trying to figure out what went wrong, yeah. and what, the autopsy. what happened, <laughs> and and then, like I said, in years past, I'd have some morbid curiosity, I'd be in a certain mood someday, we do. We and swing I would just into throw it moods. in randomly, yeah. but it's been a couple years, and then when you said you wanted to do the show, I'm like, alright, I guess it's time to dust it off again, oh, yeah. but this, I, I'm telling you, the first time I've ever heard that... Little piece yeah, at the end. Never before. And I don't know if that's maybe because I got fed up with the song and skipped it a bunch. I don't know. But like <laughs> I, I could have sworn I listened to it in its entirety. Yeah, that little piece of circus music at the end. For like, no why couldn't you throw that in the middle to change it up? Like, I don't... I swear, I'm blaming Lars, where he's just like, Kurt's like, I want to do something. And Lars is like, do it at the end. And like, we get four <laughs> seconds of circus music at the end. Out of nowhere, Kurt First just, time I've ever noticed it. Kurt Amazing. First time you've noticed yeah. it as well. He just shreds I for the last th- second. That's, you know, that's Kirk, uh, you know... Getting his piece in. Because <laughs> it's, it's again, there's it's like this ignored. glimmer of a nugget in this like mountain of crap, <laughs> and it's just like that could have been something. He could have taken that and extrapolated a solo. And then, know? and then the other part, I think it's uh, I don't know, maybe four minutes in, maybe later, since it's such a long song, I forgot <laughs> the actual time. But what's with the tribal chanting? Yeah, you got that too. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck. I don't know what's going on there either. Again, these things are coming to me. And like, I don't know if it's like PTSD where I took it out of my mind after years of listening to this. But like, that hit me today and I was just like, huh? Like, okay. Yeah, I don't know what is being said. going on there. There's a rain dance going on and I'm fucking curious about what that's about. Unless they're summoning monsters. Maybe it should be... Roman Reigns' theme song. I think it worked with the Tribal Chiefs well, gimmick. When he's not busy doing playing bass for the band. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> his, his twin. But this album, like you said, they did they did the remix for it. Yeah, for the documentary. So um, for the documentary. Um, not to get off track, but I was no, doing some it. research for about the documentary. And I did watch the documentary before. And again, this dates back to, again, another reason why I think the album is so disjointed and bizarre as it is, is because of so many reasons, but the <laughs> infighting of the band at the time, not getting along, which that sad documentary oh God, yeah. um, showcases. And I don't remember this being on the documentary, but I feel like it could have been huh. when I was researching St. Anger. Um, five <laughs> interesting things you didn't know about St. Anger. And one of them was, did you know, during the recording process of St. Anger, they had themselves, the band and the crew and the, um, and, the, and the recording people, they all had, they decided to throw Kirk Hammett 
a tropical beach themed birthday party for his 40th birthday party where the crew and the band come in and in, in, in Hawaiian shirts and you know they're hanging out for Kirk's Having birthday like a luau, yeah. well one member a, of the band was excluded from this I have an idea of who it is. Yeah. Is it Mr. Lars? It was indeed Mr. Lars. He, <laughs> didn't, he had why. no clue. And he shows up with, you know, regular street clothes on yeah. for uh, for recording. And he's mystified of what's going on. And very angry. Of course About he what's going on. And he probably threw a and, drumstick or and something. He, he apparently, and uh, according to the guys that did the documentary, Lars would go and he'd take some food. And he'd go sit in the corner of a room. And he'd start, <laughs> and he'd start eating alone. And he's, he's he, he said something along the lines of, "Every day is a birthday party for somebody else. I never get thrown a birthday party. Oh my god! But every day is a birthday party for somebody else. Five fucking years old. <laughs> and here's the line: Life's a limp dick with an occasional blowjob. That's all life is. Wow. Thanks, Lars. So that little nugget. What a fucking. So again, uh, just a little insight of the mindset of this band yeah, they're at being this children. time. They're yes. all being children. Yeah, they're not. They don't invite the drummer to Kirk's- the g- g- guitarist's birthday party, even oh. though they know he's due there to show up that day to record. Just a total lack of communication, like, and then the way Lars handles it, yeah. I'm gonna go cry in the corner of a room. Yeah. I'm gonna write a song about your limp dick, Kirk. <laughs> And that, like, that's like one guy's having a theme birthday party for Kauai. The other guy's crying about it. James is just like, I'm getting drunk. Like, the whole thing, they're like such a mess of human beings. Yeah. And I don't know when it happened because they all seem to have their shit together. Maybe Newstead was the. Uh, he may have been the glue to hold it together. Yeah, but, like, may have been. that's sad. Yeah. But, it, like. But it just, again, it just shows you the disconnect that's going on. Of here. all these grown men who are all successful. Accomplished musician, saying. and that's yeah. the thing is like I'm ripping Lars a lot. The dude is an accomplished musician. He is a tremendous drummer. He's a piece of shit as a human, but he's a great drummer. Yeah, I mean, last year, I mean, I you know, <laughs> I I have so much issue with Lars as the person. Not that not that we know Lars. No, no, no. But like but from what's the, out there, from what's out there, yeah, right? Yeah. Just how he and then the, the you know the troll and him standing up oh, and he's when he's goblin, playing and yeah. just yeah he's got to get in the face of the camera yeah, he's chewing up the out. scenery all the time yeah, yeah. and it's just it's just so annoying and then him <laughs> in interviews and it's like this guy's an asshole but <laughs> but yeah i mean we were me and chris last year during the pandemic we you know had a lot of downtime and there was always metallica monday where they'd show right. an old show you know an oh, old live concert so you know, spent, some would be, some of them were in the 80s, some of them were in the 90s, some of them were in the early 2000s, and mm-hmm. you watch those early shows of Lars, you know, just jamming out, and just the band in general, and like, man, these guys are fucking... Just grooving, yeah, man. Yeah, they're there, they're yeah. out of this world. Talent. Oh, and, and like, so, honestly, to write those songs that they did, yeah. like, I I can't even imagine, but I mean, of course... The, some of the most epic metal songs of all time, yeah. uh, to this day. They, they can still write good music. And that's the thing is like capable. When, when we're sitting here ripping Saint Anger from almost two decades ago, <laughs> yeah. they did release Haywire a few years ago. They did, and it's a good album. I, I like think it. I think it's good. I like it a lot. I like it a lot, and that just shows you that you can go from the darkest time oh, of yeah. Saint Anger. You can't possibly get any worse than that. Rock bottom, <laughs> and then you know, years later, two thousand sixteen. You know, yeah. you, you were. You know, we're in the twilight of their career now. You would think. You would think so, anyway. 2016, and, um, you know, I 
I remember, you know, all expectation for me for this band died with Saint Anger. Quite yeah. honestly, it, it died with Saint Anger. I wasn't even excited for and Death Magnetic in no, what was that two thousand eight? Yeah, yeah, that was two thousand eight. Wasn't even excited. Didn't for that. do anything. F- that album didn't do anything for me. You know, no. at least it was recorded uh, properly. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, there were actual. It, songs. W- it was mixed, <laughs> so that was nice, but. Yeah. Uh, nobody really ever wanted to hear the Unforgiven Three. I don't think. No, that's um, an all-time. So, that's an all-time so, blowjob. So, so, so uh, uh, you know th- that album didn't do anything for me. So still, even with Death Magnetic, my expectations were the band were were done. I was kind of at a point where it's like, I just saw you guys play live and they're fucking awesome. Yeah, still right, alive. Yeah. So you know what? Take the hits. Take the classics. Stay around. Stick with us. Do the live shows. Yeah. But you don't have to release anything new anymore. We have the good so, times, right? Let's so, so when Hi- when Hardwired came out, I was you know, I wasn't you know I wasn't too excited about it. We um, both went that, to the record store. That right, day. We did because <laughs> um, this is after Chris, uh, my brother. He he he. He ripped it um, online. Mm-hmm. Napster would be so angry. Oh my god! Metallica would be so angry. <laughs> Sorry, Even Lars. In 2016. How can you be doing this? Didn't you learn from the Napster thing? I gotta feed Don't my, steal our music. I gotta feed my family. But uh, Chris got an early rip from it, and I remember him texting me. He's like, "Dude, this Metallica album is fucking awesome. <laughs> this is aw- like, I'm not kidding. Like, yeah. this is really, really good." And I'm like, "Dude, are you serious? Like, really? <laughs> it's all about it." And then, like, I heard it, and I was like. Wow. Oh, yeah. Shit, yeah. This is Metallica kind of getting back into form in 2016. So they did come back yeah. from this. I put it. I remember not. getting it that day and putting it on in my car driving to work, and I was like, holy tits. Yeah, now that like, we're dead, still love that one. The Moth to Flame Moth might to be Flame. a top ten Metallica song I, of all I, time. I, I, think it, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that. There it's was some that really good. good dandies on there. So they bounced back from yeah. St. Anger. And you guys out there who are at rock bottom... There's only way, one way to go. You can only go up. That's right. I mean, you might make a lateral move like Death Magnetic, but you're going to go up eventually. <laughs> <laughs> so, Death Magnetic was definitely a lateral move. That brings us to song number four, yep. which I think might be the shocker for me on this whole album. Okay. Dirty Window, 525. I kind of like it. Oh, There's no. only one bad part about oh, this song. Oh, no. Oh no! Okay, okay we're gonna I'll disagree. Let, I'll let you go. The only bad part, I swear to God, is the chorus of him rhyming "tor projector ejector infector perfector oh, protector yeah. inspector." More of that Doctor Seuss stuff. Yeah, none of it makes any sense <laughs> in relation to the song at all. He's literally just rhyming. So you don't words. mind that. Court is in session and I lay my, my gravel, gravel down. down. You, you don't mind that? I don't mind that. I don't mind the... Okay. The boom, 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 boom. I'm okay with it. And Lars is doing the drum line, the rims, the rim shots. Like I'm like, this is cool. Like, I don't hate it. This is one that I used to mock all the time. And as I listened to it today, I was like, this is probably, this is probably, the, probably the most memorable guitar riff on the album. <laughs> Uh, uh, All right. Well, this is where we disagree. Okay. Tell me. Tell me. This to me, this. I mean, the album is already. It's already gone. It's already (laughs) gone. But to me, Dirty Window is where it totally really just falls off the rails for me. Serious? Yeah, I'm serious, and I can't. I I think Dirty Window to me is not only. The worst song on Saint Anger. No, the next one. But is. to me, but to me, this is the worst Metallica song I've ever heard in my life. What? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's there. coming up next. I'm going there. Dirty Window's the Dirty worst. Dirty Window, I can't. Okay, I get the I laugh. The laugh sucks. <laughs> yeah, the, the laugh he throws. This is in. the peak of uh, James's mental breakdown. It is. Dirty it, Window. He literally this, is this, having a mental breakdown. This is breakdown. where he cracks. Yeah, and 
I don't know. I kind of liked it. I'm not going to lie, because like, this is one that I, I used to it, make fun of. It sets itself apart a little bit, I guess. It's got more of a, dare I say, punk quality, in a way. There's a little bit to that, it, yeah. It, like, you could almost see this as the rough skeleton of an Offspring song. Am okay. I wrong? Uh, when you think about it, there's some, yeah, okay, I can see that. Yeah, it, I, I, I can see the punk influence. Yeah, I think it's got the bones of a good song, and I, <laughs> I like the like. Okay, we're about two songs away from when Hetfield becomes prime Hetfield. <laughs> so his vocals are lacking. the The rhyming is awful. The laugh is bad. But I think musically, it's an okay song. I think it's different. It's not a Talica song that you expect. It is part of that evolution mm-hmm. where they are moving on. They're not going to just do load part three, you know, re- right. re- re-reload. And as and as Lars has stated in the past, and this is where I, I have re- I do have respect for this because there's so many bands that are very comfortable doing what they do and just doing it forever. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you're really good at something. Like, maybe that's what you should do. Yeah, stick to what you know. But, you know, Metallica has always taken the chance, and Lars come right out and said, yeah, Ride the Lightning was an amazing album, and everybody loves Ride the Lightning. But we never want to do Ride the Lightning again, you know? We always got to challenge ourselves. So, you know, again, I... (laughs) You have to admire the fact that they would be so bold to put this stuff out there. Yeah, it's a And take these sort of chances. Um, I wouldn't do it. But uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> with the reputation that Metallica has, and where they already were at this point, they had fuck you money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but but the the whole rhyme thing, like the injection project, yeah, that shit, that's bad. But like the rest of the lyrics are not that. I don't think that that is any more embarrassing than anything else on this album. Honest to God, I just don't see it. I think this is an okay. Song. So this is the one you like. This is one that. Well, this is one that I turned on. Or turned around on. This is one that I used, used to hate. You used to mock it. Yeah, I used okay. to hate this one. I came around and I'm like, I'm just like neutral on it now. I'm like, I don't think it's that bad. Okay. I think it's okay. Well. But you hate it. Yeah, I think it's the worst Metallica song ever. <laughs> no, no, that's the one we're going to talk about now. <laughs> Track five, Invisible Kid. Oh. An interminable eight minutes and 30 seconds of just awfulness. All right, we're going we're gonna to differ on this one You again. like this we're one? Gonna, I, it's not that I like it. Oh. But you know how you just said like punk yeah. In, in the dirty window. See, that's what I get from, from the beginning of this song. Again, it's the trash can drums, and I can't stand it. I, can't, I just Wait, yeah, can't. The drums are garbage. I can't the whole stand album. it. But I kind of like the pace of this song early on. Early on. Yeah, I like the like pace the first of it. Three I, I think it's. I don't think it, it. Compared to a lot of the songs on this album, I think this song is, at first, well, well structured, well put together, and then, you know, it gets to a point. And I think you know which point oh, I'm yeah. getting to. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> there it is. What a, what a nice boy you are. <laughs> just fucking <Ooh>. cruise. <laughs> what a what a perfect boy you are. Yeah. This where, where where James breaks his voice breaks down. Yeah. Uh, and the invisible kid is he's alone and he's floating around in space in his room. Yeah. Whatever the hell that Headfield means. Headfield was fucking high for this man. There's, Ooh. This is... That's where it goes off the rails for me, and there's no coming back. No, it's gone. And, like, it it drones on till the end. Like, it limps to the finish. (laughs) Like, this is a long fucking Is this a nine-minuter? It's 8.30. Okay, Eight minutes and 30 seconds. Interminable, man. It just... It gets so boring after a while. And I liked it better... Okay, so Hetfield's obviously writing about his fucked-up childhood. Yeah. I liked this song better when it was Dyer's Eve. 
Okay, yeah. Dyer's Eve is a song about his upbringing, and it's one of my top five Anything favorite Anything on Injustice songs. for All is better, of yeah, course. Yeah, but I mean, they did, they did a song about the subject matter before and made it and, great. And now he brought it back. Now he brought it back and he's like whimpering. Yeah. <laughs> he's crying. He's, he's, he's literally he, dying. He's, handle, he's handling it worse yeah. at 40 than he did, than at, he did at 20. Than he did at 20. In his 20s, he was like healthy about it. He's like, I'll write a song about it. I'll get it out. But sure. It'll be angry. And now yes. he's like, <laughs> like, what the fuck? Nobody wants to listen to a Metallica song and hear that. You know, no. like... I want to see the yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah that's I, what I want to hear. I want to hear Salih. Not, yeah. Not... No, this, this song broke me. This is the one where I was like... This, this is a rough one. This is when I took a break. I actually waited like a full 48 hours before I listened to the rest of the album. Yeah. This, it this was... One, see, that's what Dirty Window did to me. Oh, see, we both got broken. <laughs> Midway through this album, we both got broken. Because... It, but the thing is, Dirty Windows like still more than three minutes less than this one. And I and I said it from the beginning. Yeah, it's a godsend. The songs that are five minutes or less. So yes, while I I I, I personally hate Dirty Window, <laughs> I appreciate that it doesn't drag on. No, it does not. It's it over it it overstays its welcome by existing. Uh, they all, but, <laughs> but it doesn't overstay its welcome. Like, dude, eight minutes and thirty seconds. That's just, longer than like. There's no reason for it. That's longer than some of their classics. You know what I mean? Like Call of Cthulhu and shit. This is... It's just... It's bad. It's an abortion, let's face (laughs) it. And that brings us to track six. Yeah. My World. My World. Five minutes and 46 seconds. And now this. Okay. It's my world and you can't have it. Okay. When I told you that... I remember we about two weeks ago I said, Mike... Mary's out. I mean, <laughs> I need you to come in. We're going to talk about Saint Anger. Yeah. And we kind of like did a preliminary like bullshit session. And uh-huh. I said, I guarantee you, My World is the worst fucking song on that album because I don't remember a fucking thing about it. And I'll be completely honest with you. Musically, it is the most nondescript, boring, chunky, <laughs> ham-fisted fucking song you ever heard in your life. Yeah. Lyri- or like lyrically and vocally, this is Pete Hatfield. It's the most interesting vocal performance okay. on the whole album. Wow, okay. I wasn't I, thinking that. Oh, yeah. It, because this is the song where I finally feel like we got him back. <laughs> He's, he comes out, motherfuckers in my head! He, I, sons of bitches in my head! I actually do like that. Yeah. And like the, he's singing the lyrics, he's got energy, and then at the end of the chorus, sucker! Oh yeah, sucker! I'm and, not gonna lie, I do enjoy that. Yeah, and then like as they're going into the breakdown, because no song has a solo, but everyone has a fucking breakdown. Yeah. Da-dun, da-dun. And he he cuts a psycho synth promo. Where, <laughs> I'm gonna talk, I'm gonna whisper really loud, and then I'm gonna yell Jack Tunney! Like, he just whispers <laughs> and then starts screaming, like psycho synth. This- this is this is the song. I mean, I know that you know James's art, despite his issues, yeah. is has always been your favorite member. He's always oh, been yeah. my favorite member. Yeah. To me, he is Metal. He's the whole band. And yeah, um, yeah he is. This this is Pete Hetfield. I do agree with oh, you yeah. with that. I do enjoy the sucker. Sucker. <laughs> he just he starts making noises and like that. I think I love that because this. I think this is also the song. So, St. Anger, when it came out, it came out with the, the CD and the DVD of them live performing in the studio. Do you remember? Yes. We, we watched that yep. when it first came out. And this is the song where it ends, and everybody's just kind of looking at each other, and Hetfield just goes up to the mic and goes, Salid. <laughs> And it's just, I don't know why, because like I don't think it any stuck with us all these years. any word ever ca- perfectly captured him. Then like him, <laughs> like everybody just like looking it. at each other with blank expressions. And he's like all jacked up. Salid. Salid. I won't even say the word right, you know. And like this is the song, man. Like where 
we get like mid '90s Thrasher Hetfield vocals. He actually is singing with conviction for I'll, the first time. I'll, I'll, I'll ride with you on that one. I I do think it's a boring song, um, but I do like I do like Hetfield in this song a lot. I agree with you. I think this is this, this is vintage Hetfield and yeah. uh, a song that doesn't and an album that overstays its welcome far too many times. This song doesn't really do that. No, this one, like, even with the breakdown, at least he's doing something interesting with the vocals. Because, like, that's the problem with so many of these, is that he doesn't change the cadence with what he's growling. Right. And the music is just, like I said, it's the same thing throughout the album. It's just... Pumbling. It is. It's just muddled music. Like, this one, while the riffs... If you ask me on the spot right now to tell you what the main riff of the song, I fucking have no idea. Musically, it's just there, but lyrically, it kept me engaged. I have no like. It's a. I wouldn't say it's filler. It's better than filler, but yeah, it's it, it's one of the more tolerable. Yeah, tolerable is a very it's good one, descriptor. It's one of the more tolerable. I I was uh, when I was driving around yesterday. I did my I did kind of uh, enjoy the you know. Motherfuckers in my head. I just got into it. It was good. It's classic. Yeah. Uh, not a classic Metallica song. No. Classic James Hetfield doing James Hetfield yeah. things. James Hetfield vocalizing is just money. <laughs> so that brings us to track seven, which I think might be my... This one's low on the totem pole. Shoot me again. Shoot me again. I ain't dead yet. Da, da, da. It's seven minutes and ten seconds. Yeah. I, which, when I went back and started no listening to it, I was like... This song can't be that. I don't. Re- I don't remember this song being that long, and it be- felt like it. Man. Because uh, the only thing that I remember from this song is uh, "Shoot me again, I ain't dead yet." Yeah, and then so, him I'm, go, "Shoot me again, shoot, shoot me, me again, shoot, shoot me again, shoot, come on, shoot me." Or the repetitiveness for yeah, no reason at all. Yeah, just constant repetition. And I, I think if this song was cut down to three fifteen, that would have been fine. It would have been like a Godsmack standard. <laughs> Am I like this? The musically, this is like. A Godsmack it's, song. It's okay. It's like off something off their debut album, yeah, I think. it's okay. And it's... Because I'm trying to think of it's... <laughs> so... Oh, God. I don't even know where to begin with this song. Because there's so much to it. It's it's new metal as fuck. Yeah. And the chorus is horrible. It's just <laughs> literally him saying, shoot me again. I ain't dead yet. Da, da, da. And then him going, shoot me. Shoot me again. Shoot me again. Come on. That's literally all it is. Just, just beat, and, it, beat us over the head with it. I don't even know what the message of this song is. Not if really it's, sure. Unless... Like, I'm... It's a metaphor for him being thrown, like, the media coming after them or something that like that for be. the Napster yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, Shoot. We ain't dead yet. Yeah. Right? It, we yeah. ain't dead yet. Throw it all at us. Throw your bullets at us. And, We've dodged them all. Yeah. We're, we're not dead. We're still kicking. It's like kind of like, like you could see, like, Stone Cold Steve Austin with this song. Like, <laughs> Texas Rattlesnake ain't ever going down. I still got up, you know. <laughs> and it's just... It's a good song if it was 315 and done by another band. Yeah, yeah, Metallica at eight minutes, not so sure. No, it's garbage. It's crap. And I'm sorry, guys. And, like, this is the song I think, when I think of this song, I think of the album art. This, like, goes with that bright orange and red. Because this album art is unlike anything else Metallica done, has done. Right. It's, it's Usually it's stark colors or muted colors, and it's like a grim scene, like a cemetery. This, or is, this is bright. The electric Cincinnati chair. Cincinnati Bengals orange. It really with is. Big, <laughs> with the big red fist. Like, fucking Carson Palmer oh. and Marvin Lewis should have been on the album cover. <laughs> this was their debut se- season, actually. 2003 was the beginning what, of Marvin. What a tie-in. Yo, we love you, Marv. You should have got the Dallas job over the, McCarthy. The orange shovel. <laughs> you know, if anybody out there, I I swear to God, I'm the only one who remembers like his debut season when John Kitna took them to eight and eight, and everybody was shocked. 
Mar- they he gave Marvin Lewis like an orange shovel in the locker room, and he cried because it meant something. If anybody else knows what I'm we talking talked about, talked about this in psychology class. We did. Oh yeah, we were in psychology in high school, and I was like, Mike, they gave him an orange shovel, and he's like, what? I was like, Marvin cried. It was a big fucking deal, apparently. I love how we can tie the Bengals into the same anger somehow. Better than Gase. <laughs> All right, so no, yeah, shoot me again is a garbage song. So Don't like it. If yeah. you're gonna go listen to it, guys, God bless. Skip that one. Sweet Amber at number eight. Oh, here we go. Five minutes and twenty-seven well, seconds. We know, we know somebody that likes it. We know one guy who likes it. He looks suspiciously like Dave Mustaine. <laughs> so in, in 2011, what is that? It. I. It sounds about right. Yeah, because I started dating uh, SC that SC, year. Okay. I think we started dating her on that. It's time. Code name. Yeah, she she doesn't listen, <laughs> <laughs> but um. We At went least we don't think so. Who knows? Nah, well, she had stalker tendencies. Um, <laughs> she could find you if she wants to. She has ways. <laughs> She's, anyway, so we, me, Mike, his brother Chris, we all went to the Metallica Big Four show. Yankee Stadium, September, beautiful weather. It's Metallica, Slayer, Megadeth, Anthrax. The four big thrash bands big of time. the 80s. It was big time. Sold out Yankee Stadium. Fucking awesome. We had a great time. So we took a bus trip from our area, a couple hours, drive to New York, and it was you know we could drink. We get out, we set up our camping chairs out in the in the in the lot there. We're out next to the bus. We got our coolers. We're drinking some beers, and there's this guy who looks like I said like Dave Mustaine. He's this older guy with this fr- like long lion's mane of hair, sleeveless shirt, looking like all like tough and shit. He can say anything he wants to us, but what does he say? He says. Yo, you guys think they'll play anything off Sane Anger? It's like, no, I hope not. I hope not. And he just goes, hope they play Sweet Amber. It's a great track. <laughs> Who the fuck out there? There's a guy out there who said that sentence oh. and was proud. that He's just like, that's banger, man. Fucking Sweet Amber. Yeah, we love Sweet Amber. How sweet does it get? My brother, who is not what you would call a metal fan or even right. a fan of most. Like, he's not a music head. He likes music, but he doesn't go out of his way for shit. Is this Danny? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he loves like to mock this song. Sweet Amber! Because Hetfield tries to sing, mm-hmm. and it doesn't come across well. <laughs> this It's just weird to see a Metallica song with a woman's name in it. Am I wrong? I, I've never really thought of it that way. Oh, but, no. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking about it now, and it is kind of odd. It's yeah. disconcerting. <laughs> and like the, when I was reading up, apparently the song is a metaphor for them doing radio spots okay. and promotion. Chase the rabbit, fetch the stick, roll me over till uh, I'm that, sick. That is one of the, again, more Dr. Seuss. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, These lyrics is, are juvenile. Which is like. a theme throughout the album. I understand that, you know, James may not ment- mentally be at, obviously isn't at his men- mental best just yeah. coming out of rehab. Oh, his right acuity the is studio shit. Yeah. To, to uh, record this. But, yeah, the... Um, the lyrics are definitely lacking throughout yeah. the album, and the the song is basically just a bitch fest about having to do work as a musician. <laughs> I have to promote this shit. I have to go on do a radio spot in an interview. Ah, no, like you're bitching about being a millionaire, dude. Like, come on, like I, the song, like musically. What, what's your feelings on this? I, one? I, it's, it, it, you know, I, like the rest of the album. I don't think just, it's embarrassing musically. It, it, it's a little bit better than I, I don't feel it. This one sounds. As thrashy. No, it's as, not. It's more like the others. like a classic rock, almost like an ACDC quality in a way. Yeah, musically, I guess you know this song is. <laughs> it's one of, it's probably one of the better songs musically. Yeah, yeah, I, I could go with that. The lyrics are ass. Yeah, they're ass. Uh, 
the lyrics just suck, man. I hate them, and I'm just over it. Yeah, just over I, it. I don't really have much to add. <laughs> so, uh, Megadeth guy, Dave Mustaine guy, he, knew, yeah, he, well, he loved it. He, so you know, there may be people out there, uh, the Saint Anger apologists. I got to believe there's some. He's out there driving um, a T-bird, listening to Sweet song, Amber, trying to pick up hookers. That's not one of my favorites, but musically, not not the worst. No. So track track nine, the unnamed feeling at seven okay. minutes and eight seconds. All right. Dare I say the best song on the album? Yeah, no, I would say it's most de- certainly the best song on the album. Okay. Uh, it, this is this is probably the only song on the album to me that reflects the Metallica that I yes. uh, originally fell in love with during the Load and Reload days. Yeah. And I, you know, it, the production is still what it is because it was Bob yeah. Rock's decision, the <laughs> band's decision to record it the way they did. I feel um, like he didn't want to hurt their feelings. Well, because like they were friends that, and everything, you know there's what I mean? that. But I've also read where Bob Rock has straight up said, you know, during the time I really wanted to challenge radio, I I produced the way I produced for 25 years, producing the right way, and I didn't want to do that anymore. So I felt like this was the album where I could kind of experiment. And he admitted it. He he was. I also read a thing where he was into a, like a, into a lot of advert avant garde stuff yeah. at the time. Um, where like experimental stuff where he 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 uh, used pro tools in a way to copy and paste parts of songs that really? didn't necessarily belong together yeah. but thought it would be interesting to place them in different parts it's like the David Lynch of yeah and, music, and, and yeah. the thing about it is is like when you listen to this album you you like okay but there is no production at all you know what I mean? Like, this is Bob Rock not doing anything. This is literally he's him letting putting the ba- on a microphone. Yeah, he's letting the band play. He's attaching his name to it. He's letting the band play and, uh, you know, yeah. recording in a garage what they're playing. I mean, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. But the reality is, it sounds like Bob Rock went through a lot of wa- extra work, hard work, <laughs> yeah. to make this album sound as bizarre as it does. Yeah. It, he co- he would copy and paste things that weren't supposed to go together and... Turn the times around on them and flip them, and like because have, he thought it would sound interesting. There's so many they could have done so many extra takes just of Hetfield's vocals, right? Like there, you you hear his voice cracking and going off yeah. into different like mumbling and yeah. grumbling, and it's like how did you put this record out like yeah, that? Like how did James listen to that and go? Yeah, I'm going through some shit. I think it works. Like, you have to step in there. Like, your job as a producer is to step in and say, "God." And that, and that's what I feel like. And he's an accomplished producer. I'm taking Kurt. He is. Uh, yeah, he is. He's. Uh, I mean, he's still going today. Yeah. Um, but you take Kirk and I feel like Kirk and uh, well, Rob wasn't there yet. Newstead was gone. Rob wasn't yet there. Rock was playing. Bob Rock was playing bass, but. You can take the guitar and bass out of this album completely, yeah. and it wouldn't make a difference. Like, this album, seriously, to me, is Lars banging around <laughs> on trash cans. It's so and, and And James crying and whining into yeah. the microphone. And that's why the unnamed feeling is kind of refreshing, because this is the only song to me, while the production's not great, yeah. um, this is... It's a band effort. This is a decent song. This is not a bad song at all. And I feel if it was really cleaned up, um, this could actually be a good song. In fact, there's there's only one part of the song where I cringe. Oh, yeah, I know. Get get the the fuck out of here. I just want to get get the fuck. He just screams fuck. So it has that moment. 
It has but that moment. I don't moment. hate it because I think it's true to Hetfield. <laughs> it you know is. What I mean? It is. But that's the only moment where it's kind of like, eh. Yeah. I mean, I still hate the drums. Yeah. I hate the drums throughout the entire album. I just yeah. hate we it. We don't even have to say it. But, but um, the song in itself... It works. Whereas this album cannot be redeemed, yeah. this is a redeemable quality yeah. within the album. I think without question, without question, the best song in the album. I don't even hate the length at seven minutes. It, I, I feel like the song, pace of the song for this dictates. Song, I, for this song, I feel like it fits. Yeah. I, don't, I don't mind the seven minutes. The pace minutes of the song is much slower than the rest of the stuff. Yeah. This is like an introspective song. Yeah. It's got like an in, until it sleeps quality. Yeah, it's, there's nothing really, you know, outside of the... One little breakdown by, <laughs> by James. Uh, there's nothing really too bizarre or crazy no, about this the, song. It's a solid tune. Lyrically, it's very much mature. better than the rest. It's yeah. mature. It's a like mature when, song. And especially when you look at the rest of the album. It's yeah. like the, the rest was written in crayon. Yeah. This one was written with like a quill pen. You know? <laughs> a little step up, yeah. Yeah, it's, and musically it's better. The The only thing I don't like is the... I don't know. I think it's Hammett does the backup. The... Been here oh, been here it sounds before. like Darth yeah. Vader. Yeah, been here I don't before. I don't like that backing vocal. I don't but care for that. Yeah. No. Other than that, I think this is a good song. I'm good I'm, song. I'm okay with this one. So that brings us to Purify. Ah. Five minutes and fourteen seconds. Well, and this is one that I listened to three times in the last two days okay. to try and pin down how I feel about it. Because <laughs> at first I was like, uh, it's okay. <laughs> and then the second time I was like, fuck this song. <laughs> and then like the third time I was like it, it, uh, it's okay. So you went back and forth on. I did. I waffled on this one. Okay. I, I hate the I hate the verses yeah. where it's just him yelling words. <laughs> Strip the layers off, bleached bones, skin. Like he's just it's literally like Anthony Kiedis yeah. growling, you know. Mm-hmm. And it flew by though. Yeah, I know it's like the shortest song on the album. That's okay. But if. It didn't feel like it was five minutes even. It still felt like a three fifty song, three thirty song, which is which is perfect. Yeah. the The thing I think is stupid is just okay. The song is called Purify. You don't know. You don't need to put pure if I pure. You don't need to, that phrase to drive it home. Not not too subtle, but <laughs> like musically, it's yeah. It's got like that fast guitar. The drums, of course, sound like shit, but are paced well. Like. It's I not like, bad. It's I don't want to say I like it. No, it's but it's, but it's the thrashiest I would say on the album. Yeah, and again, shorter. We don't have to go through the whole eight nine minutes. Yeah, thank it's, you. They get to the point. Thank he you. gets out. I don't even. I'm trying to remember what the breakdown was like, and I can't even because every song has a breakdown, guys. Every song must have one. There's no solos, no guitar solos, but no. every every song's got that breakdown. So all you get is literally. Five minutes of them playing a riff, a breakdown of dun, 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 and with Headfield yelling, "You and I." Yeah, and then it just yeah. goes into the chorus again, and it's like it's the end of every song. Purify, purify, <laughs> come and help me. Which is kind of vintage Headfield, and again, yeah. another call for help. Which is oh god, he needs an entire man. album. This, is. like I said, this is an uncomfortable album to listen to yes. lyrically, musically. You almost don't want to listen to it. I hope not to listen to it for a very long time. No, we're we're off this way. <laughs> so the last song, the closer on this album, is All Within My Hands. And uh, a horrendous uh, 8 minutes and 48 oh seconds. God. We're almost 9 minutes into this song. Oh my god. Okay, so we talked. this was the one we alluded to earlier that yes. on the S&M 2 album with S&M the orchestra. S&M 2 released just last year. Yeah. Um, they, you know, 
uh, back in what is it, 98, 99, I believe yeah. they did SNM one with the San Francisco Orchestra. Uh, brought back a lot of classics, a couple of new songs they originally put on that one, No yeah. Leaf Clover, which is one of my favorite Metallica no, songs, Clover's actually. Great. Excellent. Um, and then they decided 20 years later for the anniversary to do S&M 2. Mm-hmm. Made an interesting choice by going with the St. Anger song to put on the disc. Yeah. But I, it, it, here's the thing. This is what's... And once again, this goes to show you if you could have reworked some songs on S, uh, on St. Anger and did them in a way, different way, yeah. it shows you that these songs really did have potential. Because yeah. let me tell you, yeah. all within my hands, the closing track on St. Anger, all eight, nine minutes of it, <laughs> yep. this is the one that ro- I know earlier on I said that Dirty Window is the worst yeah. Metallica oh, song this, ever. This is. But this... This rival visit to me, at least yeah. Dirty Window's a little shorter. Yeah. Um, and I laugh at Dirty Window, <laughs> where all within my hands, on Sane Anger, there's nothing funny about it. No. Whereas all within my hands on the SM2, I like what they did. They cut it down to about three, four and a half minutes, really stripped the song down compared to the version that's on Sane Anger. <laughs> you know, kind of acoustic with the orchestra. And uh, just no bullshit on there, and it and it sounds nice. It sounds nice. In fact, on SNM two, <laughs> I believe James does it again. He does. Yeah. He does the. He's like, all within my hands. <laughs> nice, nice. nice. Like, he, like, he likes it. He likes <laughs> he, it. Almost like surprise. Yeah. That's a Saint Anger song. We did it for SNM two, and I like how that came out. It, it just worked. goes to prove yeah. that if you do things the right way, instead of the wrong way you can take a really terrible terrible song and turn it into something kind of nice you can you can polish a turd it's it, possible it's proven. on too, it was proven we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the end of this song which is just uh, headfield losing his mind yelling kill 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 kind of kind of a finished uh, a fitting finish to the album oh yeah kill 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 <laughs> kind of like the end of uh, my world right i think that's the one enough's 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 <laughs> enough's <laughs> enough's enough that's classic kill 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 stop just, it just kill just this album it. kill it with fire and it fucking horrendous and we're and that and we are out that, that's that's <laughs> we're out that's saying anger we did it so final thoughts i i guess at the end of the day, I have one question for you. Yeah. Okay. Through right. it all. Through it all. Yeah. Through it all. Okay. So Metallica, they've been very clear. They've been very clear in the years past, eighteen years after Saint Anger. They've been very clear about where what Saint Anger was at the time. The album was meaningful for them yeah. at the time. As a band, it was meaningful for them. As people. As people, yeah. it was it was meaningful for them. And they, in their way, in their way, in their mind, this was their bridge. From load to reload, Saint Anger. To this was their bridge to get to Death Magnetic to get to where they were up, where yeah. now. So they don't regret it. Yeah. They don't regret it. They won't play the songs live outside of you know the nice version of uh, All Within <laughs> it was My like Hands a and Necessary SM2. Evil. But they won't they had to purge their souls. Yes. So they stand by it to a, a sense, but they also come back and say, you know, it was an isolated project. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is a nice way of saying. You know, we don't want to do that again, basically. <laughs> um, so, um, so, you know, they're aware and they knew that they were going to alienate the fan base and that they were going to piss people off when yeah. they released this album. They knew that, you know, I think I think at the time their mindset was, you know, well, we're Metallica and our loyalist fans, they're going to come with us no matter what. And they'll... <sighs> And they'll they'll be accepting of this. They were I not think. prepared for the I, onslaught. I think, I think they'll be accepting of this. But if they're not, 
that you know that's okay. So I, I have to give them some credit, but the que- it begs the question, yeah, right? Yeah. If that's how they felt, and if this album was just for them and it wasn't for the fans, and this was just their rehab, their rehab pet project to yeah. rehab and get themselves right and just <laughs> get it out of their system. If that's what if that's what this is, and and again they're asking, it's it's a cry for help. This entire album oh, yeah. is a cry for help. Yeah, it, it's like I mentioned in the beginning to come full circle. This is a band at the time, even though they're the greatest metal band of all time. This is a band that was lost, and oh, confused, yeah. and didn't know where their spot was, didn't know know where their place was, and they were vulnerable, vulnerable, and they yeah. were scared, and they didn't know what the future of Metallica was at the time. So hell, they might have even broken up. They were that was a certainly, real thing, yeah. certainly on the brink of that. So with all that being said, they say that this album was therapy to them and was necessary, but they didn't do it for the fans. They did it for them. And based off the backlash and how the album came out and how it sounds compared to the rest of the Metallica catalog, it begs the question. This is the question that I'm going to ask you. What should they have just kept this album to themselves and never released it? This should have been in their vault. This this should have been, and this is going to be my main takeaway from this album, to t- piggyback off that. What this album should have been is something that they got out of their system and put to the side yep. and not touched it for a while. And they should have just went and toured, got, it, you know, got the live feel back, and then come back to this and spend some time editing, paring it down, adding, subtracting, and working with the raw materials here. Because there's a few songs here that we said the raw material is there to create something. There was decent spots. They rushed through this, just wanted a raw sound and all that other happy horse shit. And what we got was actual horse shit. (laughs) If these guys went in with the idea of, and Bob Rock was a good steward, which (laughs) typically as a Metallica producer he is, this is his one hiccup, this is his one fart in church. And he produced the Black Album. Yeah. Like, if he just said to the guys, guys... We got this all recorded. We've got masters. Go out, tour Sweden or wherever the fuck you're going to go. Go to Korea. Do a tour. You guys are healthy now. You got this out of your system. You're back together. You got Rob. Go play some music. Play the standards. Get inspired by that. Come back and we'll work with this and make it better. Because if you're a writer, this is writing 101. You get your idea. You write it down as fast as you can. What you have, it's a blueprint. You come back to it. You write it longer form. Then you come back and you start chopping things you don't need, editing out words that don't fit. You, it's a, a never-ending process to get to what you need, mm-hmm. to, to sculpt it. These albums, like you said, they got it out of their system. What they should have done is put it to the side and worked on it over time instead of rushing it out to mass consumption. Because <laughs> this should not have been out in the public. No. This, this uh, is something that I think would have been like great Metallica. It would have been like Injustice for All. No. But I think it could have been... You know, you got load, reload. This could have been unload, you know? <laughs> they, could, they are unloading. Yeah. There's a lot to unload. This really could have been like a third load type album. And I don't think that's a problem. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it could have been much better than what we got if they took the time to work on it rather than having this fucking frantic, no pun intended, yeah. public breakdown, band breakdown, and just burying it for the world to see. If, if they took the time, whether it's frantic... Sane Anger, like we talked about, some kind of monster. We'll cut out Dirty Window and Invisible Kid. My World, if they just came up with a better music for it. Sweet Amber, Unnamed Feeling, and did a four-minute acoustic all within my hands. 
that's a decent album if they worked with those mm-hmm. and they cut them down and edited them and got better mixing it could have all been okay it right. could have been a forgettable album but it wouldn't have been this absolute fucking disaster that it is and that's and that's the thing about it it is indeed a disaster and yeah. uh you know it's they the fact that they put it out there for the world <laughs> as they did when you know they was they were had already alienated a big portion of their fan base at yeah. this point. Oh yeah, um, through load and reload and the Napster debacle and Newstead leaving and you know the some kind of monster DVD which I don't believe put them in a nice light at all. No, they've um, never recovered. Man. They've <laughs> never recovered from it. Like uh, we say that they're still selling out arenas around the globe, and they are. And they're even, still making good and music. E- and even this album, you know, yeah. saying is it a disaster? Yes, it, it's. One of the worst pieces of music that I've ever heard. It's not the worst piece of music Metallica's ever done. No, we're not talking Lulu. <laughs> we're, I can't, we cannot talk it Lulu. It is Lulu. And that's the thing. is You, you go from... You go from Sane Anger, which... That's one that nobody even talks about. You go from Sane, Sane Anger Ang- at least get talked about. You go to right? from Sane Anger to Death Magnetic, which, like, again, it, that's back to... You know, Bob Rock's what he does best yeah. at the little overproduction as yeah. opposed to the underproduction. But nothing to write home about as far as Death Magnetic goes. I, I just don't have much to say about it. No. It's it's produced and mixed. Thank you. Yay. <laughs> um, but, you know, they go from that and then you think, okay, maybe Metallica's slowly getting back on track. And then Lulu comes out in 2011 and God blessed, uh, you know, Lou Reed's soul that the, he went out on this. Because Lulu, we're not going to get deep into it. We're not going to get is that's it's like saying anger come back and yeah, and uh, Lulu an I remember listening to it one time me and my brother were playing a video game and we were just kind of listening to it as background noise and I don't even know if we got all the way through it I'm like no. this is fucking done you have to shut it off like, this is done like at least with saying anger I could go back and kind of still to this day laugh at it although I gotta say Hell, we discovered something new today. We did. That we never noticed, you know. <laughs> Although the the circus music at the end of yeah. some kind of monster never noticed it no. until this last listen. But I, I will say that you know going back and listening to Saint Anger this time was less fun than the last times. Yeah. That when I was amused years ago listening to it, I'm not it was as a joke amused to us, anymore. Man. Yeah, now now it's just like all right, this isn't funny anymore. Um, this is just bad yeah, it, and it's sad. And you know the thing about it is though. It still sold six million records. I was going to bring that up. It's We're two sold. of the people who it, bought those it, six it's million. Six, it still sold six million records. It still went double platinum. So, is it a disaster of an album? Yes. Yeah. Is it a black eye on Metallica's legacy? Yeah. Yes. I mean, overall, this is still. It's not going to take away from the Ride the Lightnings and the Master of Puppets and the Injustice for All and you, the great live performance and the great live performances. Yeah. You're not going to take any of that away. Metallica's legacy is set in stone yeah. forever. Okay, this was but just this, the beginning of the end. But this is a, you know, this is a black eye in Metallica. Yeah. This whole era is a black eye in Metallica. And this insane anger is the exclamation point on it's it. Bad. So. But they've recovered to an extent. Never fully recovered, no, like no, you said. No. I, they've never kind of got the stank off them. They never will. They've never gotten to that prominence again. Because no, like I said, I, this I album had so much ever will. backing. Yeah. I don't think they ever will. But at least with the last album in 2016, Hardwired, that's more or less back to... You're never going to get the Metallica of old, old back, you know. This, but that, but this is this back to respectable form. And, you know, it, it's at least got me... 
I, I heard that they got eleven yeah. new songs and in, I'm the, okay. in, the, in the tank. And, the last one and, gave and, me hope, and you know what? I, I'm I'm looking forward to the it. The last so, album had black black album vibes, and and I'm did. okay with that. It did, and yeah. I and I really enjoyed a lot of it, and I'm kind of curious to see where they go next. Um, so, but you know. You could say what you want about St. Anger, but it yeah. still sold 6 million records. And still talked about it. And we're still talking about it on this, its 18th birthday a couple days away. This is third, literally so. a conversation that Mike and I have at least once a year. Yeah, so where we I'm debate we the merits of St. Anger. This one is for posterity, though. <laughs> you know, the, the historians <laughs> can go onto like the bookshelf and pick this podcast up. We, you know, and that's the thing. As much as we hate and despise this album and feel like we can write a better album yeah. right here I right know, now i know we can we, i know we can <laughs> and as much as an insult that ed, to that is to the great metallica let's not get it twisted man we love metallica oh yeah hardcore, all right hardcore. we've always loved metallica yeah, okay my boys and they put at saying anger out there not sure they should have you can debate it till the end of time whether they should have or shouldn't have um but at the end of the day they survived you know metallica's they're they're still yeah. kicking Basically, the the end of the story is they fed us crap and we called it crap, <laughs> and we've moved on. Yeah, we we've have moved and on. We're all Metallica's moved on. We've moved on. We're all good, and we're moving on <laughs> right <laughs> now. So uh, because Mary is uh, you know the whole baby thing, she's out of uh, out of commission for a little while. Mike will be joining me for the next week's podcast as well. We're gonna do another re-listen. We're gonna talk about another album, though it's not old. It just came out a few weeks ago, really. Uh, it's the Offspring's "Let the Good ba- or Let the Bad Times Roll" album that came out in April of 2021. Ooh. We're Offspring fans. We are, and we've actually probably listened to this song, or this album, like eight times. Well, you probably more. It's it's an easy listen. I've hit eight. I've hit double digits probably <laughs> at least listening to this album, and we're gonna have a lot to talk about on that. But until then, guys, you can follow the cast. You can follow us on Twitter at Brosis Podcast. You can email us if you have any uh, feedback uh, at rewatch at gmail.com. And you can find us on any podcatching app that you use, whether that be Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Anchor, Podbean, wherever you will find our show. Uh, also, every Monday on the Ginny Position podcast feed, you can listen to us. Uh, we'll be talking about, well, whatever. Last week we talked about Little Giants, the kids movie. Uh, from I love that movie. Oh, yeah, we talked some Rick Moranis, man. Uh, we love Rick. <laughs> Big, oh, God, God bless him. He's a hero. He's a Canadian hero, like Bret Hart. His beer taste. We're drinking Labatt's right now, we by the way, because their beer tastes butter up there in Canada. Beer tastes butter. That's right. So, guys, until next week, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you on down the road.